Welcome to the Sunday Tennis Q&A with High Performance Coach Chris Lewitt. Chris Lewitt is an internationally respected author and educator and is regarded as one of the leading junior development coaches in the world. Join Chris Weekly for the most intelligent tennis talk show on the planet as Chris answers questions from his audience around the world. And now, here's Chris. Hello, what's up everyone? Sunday Q&A live with Chris and my co-host Sammy and my other co-host, wait. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Oh, come on, it's my daughter. Oh, All right, my daughter does not want to be on the show tonight. Sky, you're in, the, you're in the kitchen. This is my kitchen where I do the show. All right, welcome everybody. It's our Sunday night program, a round table of sorts, a virtual round table where we get to talk about tennis, high performance tennis especially, and junior development and anything else you guys want to talk about. I've got a number of exciting topics on the agenda today. Got a thumbs up already, thank you very much. I'm here with my co-host Sammy, also known as Samalama also known as Samalama Ding Dong. Hello, kisses. <laughs> he likes to give me kisses. Uh, Sammy is the co-host of the program. He doesn't do very much, he sort of lays around. Sometimes he takes a nap. Sometimes he gives me some licks. All right, it's good to see you. I had a long week of teaching. I'm sorry, I'm sorry I missed you. So yeah, it's been a long weekend of teaching. We put in about 24 hours straight this weekend. Now I have my new assistant coach, Hugo, and he's been working really hard as well, so I have to give some credit to him. He's helping me on the court now so I can rest my weary body. I'm getting old, guys. I'm getting old, so I have to rest a little, but my passion is still very strong. So let's see what's on the agenda tonight. I'm pretty pumped up because I've been writing a lot this week. I don't know if some of you guys caught some of my articles that I posted. I, I published an article on Medium this week about cheating in junior tennis, and I also posted a new article on how I think we can improve the game of tennis for the 21st century. So I've been writing a lot this week and posting and sharing some ideas and getting some good feedback on those things. Interesting debates and interesting discussion this week online. If you guys like my new beard, I'm growing it out MMA style. My daughter said I should do like the, the, the little part here that goes down and braid it, but I, I'm undecided on that right now. I may shave tomorrow, I don't know. Let me know what you guys think, thumbs up or not. All right, so let's see who's on the show tonight, maybe we'll get some big hitters on the program, I don't know. This is my Sunday night show. It's geared for high-performance enthusiasts, high-performance coaches, high-performance tennis players and parents. And I try to answer all your questions about technique, 
and anything in the world of junior development or high performance. And I also usually have a few topics on my mind from things that I've been writing on topics that are burning in my soul that I have to share and that, that I want to discuss with you guys. So let's see who's on the program tonight. Sammy, you want to take a look? What do you think? There he is. There he is. I'll get you some pets. You're really the superstar of the program. I see my sister's on the program. What's up, Aisha? Nice of you to tune in. Thanks for waving. Let's see who else is tuning in tonight. We'll wait for everyone to sign on. I'm feeling like it's going to be a lively show, guys. Let's see what we got. Larry R. Klein is watching. Thank you for waving, Larry. Pauline Sini is watching. Thank you for waving. We've got some new enthusiasts on the program, new members of our community. Ubiratan Luis de Menenzes, Menenzes, Roca is one. What a name. What a great name. And I really appreciate you tuning in and waving. Jim Kane is watching. Jim is a regular on the program. What's up, Jim? I know you have some questions for me tonight, Jim. Go ahead and, and hit me up when you're ready. Guys, if you have a question about tennis or tennis technique, tactics, junior development, especially from a high-performance angle, feel free to post those, post those comments, and I will answer them one by one as best I can. Even though I worked all weekend, I have a lot of energy tonight. I'm feeling pretty good. My sister says, hey, hey, how are you? Tell me, sis, do you like this beard or what? I'm growing this thing out MMA style, style like Conor McGregor. I'm, think, I'm thinking about the Conor McGregor look here, although I don't have any tats. I haven't got the tats yet. Let's see who else is on the program tuning in. Anthony Edwards is watching. Thank you for watching, guys. I appreciate your support of this program. Joku Budi is watching, or Budai. Thank you for waving. Appreciate it. Aisha says that my beard's looking pretty darn good. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think it's getting a little long here, maybe a little scraggly, but I like it. I like doing this. It makes me seem really intelligent. If I, if I sort of stroke my beard like this, if it, like a student asks me a question, or if I'm watching my players play and I just sort of stroke my beard, it looks like I'm deep in thought. It's kind of nice. I like it. You know, I don't think people that are clean shaven get to, get to do that quite the same way. It's nice to me. I like it. It makes me, I think it raises my IQ maybe 10 or 15 points, if that's even possible. I know it might send me off the charts, like off the bell curve with this beard when I'm stroking my beard like that. It sends my IQ off the bell curve. That's what I think. What do you think, Samboy? Want to do some ear rubs? Rubby ears. Rubby, rubby. He's a sucker for ear rubs. Guys, so if you have any tennis questions, hit me up on the board. Let's see. John Logan Minier. Tennis is watching. That's my buddy, John, my online friend. John, I might see you this summer in Vermont in the mountains at the academy. Bring your son. Going to get going to help him out a lot. I need to see his videos though. You got to send me his video so I can check him out. Please send me video. That goes for just about anyone. If you have a player, like a junior player or a kid, and you'd like some help with that player's game, I love to look at video via email. If you can shoot the email out to me uh, with the video clips, like short clips, 30 seconds to a minute, and I will look over your player's video. You, you, Usually, 
I do that free of charge, unless it's like a very extensive review where you need a lot of follow-up. It's uh, something that I just do as a courtesy, and I've been doing that for many years now. And I just, I also, I, I learn from that. I learn from, from all of the videos that come in from around the world, different players and different styles and different questions. That's one of the ways that I can, I can, I, I, I learn from you guys as much as I, I'm able to give advice. Ganesh Kumar is watching. Thank you for waving. Jeremy Malfay is watching. What's up, Jeremy? Jeremy's a big time regular on the program. Let me know if you have any questions, Jeremy. Did you read any of my articles this week? I'm stirring up some controversy, guys. We're going to get into it in a moment. I'll dig in. Brody Queel is watching. What's up, Brody? Thank you for waving. Another regular amigo on the show. I've got a lot of amigos. Sammy, are you okay? You look a little restless. What's the matter? You didn't get dinner? No one gave you dinner? I think that he may not have had dinner tonight. I, I don't know. Did mommy feed you dinner? No one gave you dinner? Guys, I need to take care of this. I think Sam is starving. All right, hit me up with your questions. You guys want to talk about cheating in junior tennis? My God. What a disaster we have in junior tennis right now. So I published in Medium, quite proud of that, and I got the the article out to a number of people that maybe normally wouldn't you know, read that in a Facebook group or something like that. We were talking about cheating in junior tennis, and it's basically ruining the sport, tarnishing the sport. Here we go, Sammy. I don't know any other sport, maybe except for golf, where kids are refereeing themselves and keep calling their own lines. It's just, it's a travesty, it's a joke. And I think we should just put an end to it. And it's been sort of a big debate in tennis circles for years, for decades, and I'm just kind of tired of it. And I just think it's wrong. The little kids, especially young kids, like I have young kids, all under 12. I've got three kids myself. And it's just, it's an embarrassment that we send them out there to call their own lines and referee themselves. And it just invites cheating. And I just think it's unacceptable. I think the sport of tennis should be better than that. That's the bottom line. All right, let's see. Gordon Paul is on the program. What's up, Gordon? And I know Gordon agrees with me about cheating wholeheartedly. Thank you for that support, Gordon. It's just, uh, it's crazy. I just think sometimes it takes someone to just call it like it is and take a step back, get out of the box. You know, don't be inframed by tennis. Just take a step back and see what's going on in junior tennis. And it's, it's a joke. It's completely unacceptable. It's a travesty. It's ludicrous that we allow especially young kids to go out and referee themselves. Absolutely ludicrous. And it's tarnishing the sport. The way that it's tarnishing the sport is that it gives the sport a bad name and parents don't want to participate. Parents don't want to deal with that garbage. They don't want to bring their kids to a tournament, to a match, and, and for their kid to get hooked and have a bad experience, to get cheated and have a very bad experience. It, it's turning off a lot of parents who otherwise might have their families play tennis. They might have their kids play tennis and they decide to do something else. Maybe to go play soccer or go play another junior sport where there's actually umpires watching the kids and taking care of them and ensuring the, their safety and welfare. For me, it's also a child welfare issue. I think that having referees, umpires there is a child welfare issue. Something that they talk about a lot in England. You know, they're really big on, on the welfare of the children. And I think it's, it's very poor child welfare not to have referees and umpires helping the kids. 
The other thing that I'm really opposed to is not allowing coaching or parent intervention at junior tournaments, especially for young children. I think it's, it goes against good child welfare. I think children should be able to check with their parents when they're very emotionally distraught. I think children should be able to confer with their parents on, in difficult situations on the court, especially young children, you know, under 10, under 12. Maybe there could be some exceptions for older children, maybe high, you know, high school kids, but I just think uh, for child welfare and for the psychological development of these children, emotional development, that it's a travesty, again, to have kids going through a traumatic experience as young as seven, eight, nine years old, and they're going through a traumatic experience, literally a traumatic event on the tennis court, and no one can help them. They can't confer with anyone, they can't talk to anyone, and they're not allowed to get support from the people who love them and can support them the most, which, and those are their parents. Their parents should be allowed to help them and support them through these traumatic moments on the court. And currently, in, at least in the U.S., parents are completely shut out from that process. Another thing we could do is allow coaching, more coaching for those young age divisions, and that would also provide some of better child welfare. That would be better for the welfare of children. So I just think on those fronts, I think there's, you can debate it with me, but I'm quite adamant about it, and I, I think I see it very clearly, and I just wish other people in the industry could see it the same way and would act, you know, and finally just change this travesty of justice and uh, these, this, uh, this, in, this terrible, terrible, embarrassing situation in junior tennis one, for the welfare of children, and two, change this for the, the good of the sport, to grow the sport, to make the sport more popular so more parents are willing to participate in tournaments with their children. So many parents play, they bring their child to one event, they're shocked, they're appalled, and they leave. They decide either the kids are just going to do recreational tennis, like maybe play for their high school team, or they are going to not play tennis at all, maybe choose a different sport where things are more fair and the welfare of children is put at a higher priority. Bottom line, child welfare issue and the popularity, popularity issue in terms of growing the sport. Come on, you guys know I'm right. Tell me you agree with me or disagree. Go ahead, disagree, but you're going to be on shaky ground. All right, let's see. We've got some questions on the board. First question on the board, I think it's by Jim Kane. Guys, I really appreciate it. Appreciate you all checking in and supporting the show. I know everyone is probably tired on a Sunday night or they're getting ready for the long week. And I love having the support and I love getting a good, intelligent talk going. So I really appreciate you guys tuning in every week and supporting the show. Thank you for your waves and thank you for your thumbs up. Jim Kane says, yes, he has a question. The next generation, same racket face for forehand and backhand, inverted racket head on the forehand follow-through lends itself to a, a topspin racket with a strong natural eastern backhand. Right, so what Jim's referring to is some of the provocative suggestions that I've made that the future of tennis technique is the inverted finish, uh, especially when we're talking about the forehand. So what's the inverted finish? Let me just see if I can demonstrate that for you guys don't have my tripod here. All right. You guys there? 
One moment. Okay, so inverted finish. Inverted finish is when you you follow through kind of like that and the racket is dangling down towards the butt or the leg. So that's an inverted finish. That's an inverted finish. Can you see that guys? Up here you can have an inverted finish too. It just indicates that there's a relaxation in the wrist and in the forearm. That relaxation for me is critical for building elasticity in the shot, in the forehand shot. So you swing and you look for the inverted finish there. So the other thing that Jim's talking about, let's see, he put a long comment here. The follow-through a la Gasquet, Shapovalov, Wawrinka with wrist flipping back starts the forehand. Right, so you're linking the back swings and the forward swings. I see what you're saying, Jim. But basically, uh, Jim is saying that these are futuristic ideas and that he likes the food for thought. I think he likes the, the, the ideas. They make him you know, think. And Jim makes a good connection with, with Oscar Wagner, who was, you know, Oscar Wagner was sort of vilified and he was laughed at and mocked when he started talking about the open stands back in the 70s. So he was way ahead of his time as far as the open stance. And everybody at that time told him he was a, like a, a nut job. They called him a nut job. And they were very, very hypercritical of him. And now look what's happened in the last 20, 30 years or more. Everybody accepts that you use open stance, you know. And so I think this is just a, an example where people don't like to break with tradition. People are kind of stuck in the past. And when you, when you mention something provocative like that, like using the same grip and hitting the ball with, both, with the same side of the racket, people are just like, wow, it freaks them out. You know, it, it's, it, it blows their mind. It shocks them. And, and it's hard for them to wrap their minds around it. But what I like to do is think outside the box and challenge norms. I like to be an iconoclast. I like to try to flip things on, on their head. You know, I like to try to see things in a different way. And so I love technique. So this is just one of my favorite areas to talk about. You know, technique and what is, what's the next innovation in technique? Jim says he calls them futuristic groundies. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. With the inverted, okay, with flipping the racket over, so this is the other thing that, that Jim's talking about, where you can use a semi-Western grip. It looks like this, semi-Western, or you can go full Western. I don't know if you guys can see that. Semi-Western or full Western forehand. And then instead of turning the racket, instead of turning the grip all the way over to get your one-hander or your two-hander, you just have it right there. It's there. And so you just you just turn it over. So you got you got the forehand here, boom, and then you just have the, on the same side here. This is exactly what Jack Sock does. It's what Jack Sock does. Let me take my, my jacket off here. Show you guys what I mean. So what Sock does is he's pretty far over. He's and a lot of guys are doing this now because it just makes sense. Why, why do coaches insist on turning the, the grip 
over, you know, like 180 degrees or more, all the when, when it's much more efficient to go the other way or leave it the same and just flip the racket over, you know, and hit use the same side of the string. It's just common sense. For it's faster that way and it saves time. And for many players, they get stuck slicing, like they get stuck. Uh, for example, I have a one-hander, and for the long time, I struggled changing my grip from semi-western to an eastern one-handed backhand, and I always used to chip my return of serve. Like if the serve was coming big, I would have to chip. Or on a fast ground stroke, you know, if I had one forehand over here, and then I got a, a backhand fast, a ball that's fast to my backhand side, I would end up chipping that ball instead of playing topspin. Now, with one grip, I moved my, I, I got my grips universalized here, if that's even a word, and now I, I have the grip built in and I'm much quicker going side to side and I'm able to play tops and I never have to, I never re relent and go with a slice, you know, I never revert to a slice when I'm in trouble. And I think that many, many players suffer from that. They, they don't quite make the grip change as quickly as they should. Maybe they're not as agile as they need to be with their hands or their hand and then they get stuck with a continental or they get stuck slicing or chipping when they really should be ripping and the grip allows that. And so on tour, you see more and more guys doing that. Jack Sock does that. Cole Shriver was doing that for a while and I believe Cole Shriver still does that on the return of serve. Cole Shriver holds the same grip and that helps his return of serve. It helps him save him time when the ball's coming like 130, 140. He's got no grip change. It's just it's a smart move for players that otherwise would have a very big shift of the grip the other way, like 180 or more, you know, however you want to describe it. You know, you got like a very big uh, rotation of the grip to get to go the other way around. You're much better off just keeping it the same, keeping it universal. And one of the other things that I said was that that could be the, like a future continental grip. You know what's crazy, guys? Totally nuts. Check this out. I posted this idea on... Facebook and you know I start getting flamed by all the all the the closed-minded haters out there who, who can't think outside the box you know and one some of the things that people said was that it's lazy it's lazy to have one grip and I think that's crazy it's not lazy it's efficient it's smart I want to know if it was lazy to have a continental back in the day. Are like people who make that criticism, are they saying that it was like McEnroe was lazy to have a continental, that all the old school players were lazy to have one universal grip? No, they had one uni universal grip because it was an advantage for them. It was a smart thing to do. It was something that was efficient at the time. And so what I'm saying is this is the same thing. It's, it's just like a content, the continental grip of yesteryear. It's just like the continental grip of the past. But it's a, it's a semi-Western continental. It's a new continental. It's a next-gen continental. And I don't know why people got to be so, so close-minded. They can't, they, they're like so shocked. Like, oh my God. You know, because it kind of looks different. It looks weird. You kind of like here and here. And you're using, you're using the same side of the, of the strings. And people look at it and it just freaks them out. The other thing is people have an inherent bias against the Western grip. People... There's still so many coaches and people out there that just completely freak out with the Western grip. And we should talk about that too because the Western grip is not so bad. Come on, it's not the end of the world. A lot of players can do very well with the Western grip. Let's just call it like it is. Now, is semi-Western better? I mean, maybe. We could debate that. But there's many players who are very successful in juniors, 
pros, college, and they have extreme semi-Western, the Western grip. And I think, to be honest, most coaches do more damage by changing a Western grip than by leaving it alone. I'm just going to go out there and say it, and you guys can feel free to disagree with me. But the Western grip can be very, very good because it has, creates a lot of RPM. Also, you get this unique ability to shift the grip over or to switch to the other side without a big grip shift. You have a very tiny grip shift. The more semi-Western and Western you go, the more you can flip over the racket and use the same side of the strings. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Am I talking like French here? Or are you guys following me? Let's see who signed on here. I think we've got some comments down below. Is any of this making sense or am I completely crazy tonight, guys? I know I'm not crazy. Sammy, am I crazy? No, I'm not. All right, what do we got, guys? Bring it in. You, feel free to disagree with me. You can disagree with me. This is what our talk show is all about. You know, we try to have an intelligent discussion, but you're going to have a tough time convincing me here that I'm, that I'm missing. I'm missing all the facts here, the truth. Let's see, Jim Kane has a follow-up. Right. Jim, it's an interesting thought. You know, Jim's talking about how some players might be better off just flipping the racket over rather than trying to flip the grip so much, trying to shift the grip. I think you're better off flipping the racket over and just using the same side. And I'm hearing all of these bogus arguments, total fallacious arguments about why you can't use the same side of the racket to hit the ball. You can. My old coach used to tell me this all the time. He'd be like, no, Chris, you got to change it. You know, you got to shift it. And I just think it's traditional inside the box thinking. You know, it's, it's very myopic thinking to think that there's not another way to hit the ball. You see Jack Sock doing it out there. You've seen other players like Cole Schreiber doing it. You've seen Alberto, Alberto Beresitegui made finals of the French Open doing that back in the day. And there's a lot of other players. I have to do more research and find them. But there's a bunch of players doing that now because it just makes sense. It saves time. It's efficient. There will always be players who like to spin the racket. You know, there's players who are very agile. I call them magicians. And they spin the racket handle. Like, Federer is amazing. Like, he's like a magician like that. He's always spinning the racket. You know, there's always guys like that. But for a lot of people, they're not that agile at spinning the racket. For those people who don't have the magic hands, they're much better off having that universal continent new continental, not the old continental, my continental, the, the semi-western continental, whatever you want to call it, the next-gen continental. They'd be much better off learning the next-gen continental than, than doing the, the big shifts, you know, the, the shifts that require a lot of hand agility. I just don't think that's realistic for most normal people. You see Fed do it. I always had trouble doing it. I'm a good player. I was a very good college player. I played pro circuit. But I always had trouble with that shift. You know, I just didn't have those magic hands, you know, like a, like a pianist. I wasn't that great with shifting the grip. And I always had that liability where players could play to my backhand or my forehand and then attack my backhand, and then I would, I would slice. You know, I'd get stuck halfway and I'd have to chip. And I think that's what you're, you want to get away from. That's what you're trying to mitigate here. You're trying to alleviate that, that issue. What do you guys think? Kind of interesting, right? Outside the box thinking. All right, we've got some regulars on the program. Thank you for tuning in. Let's try, let's try to get some comments because I was just rapping here. I'm sorry, guys. I got off on a rant. Didn't mean to get off on a rant there. But 
let's see what comments and follow-ups we have, and I'll try to answer them. I see we've got a bunch of friends on the broadcast. Thank you for tuning in, guys. I appreciate it. Getting some thumbs up. I love that. Thank you for the thumbs up. Thank you for waving. Michael Furman says, how many hours should the 12 and unders be playing each week? Spoke to several parents today, and there is a wide variability. Oh, come on, Michael. The 12 and unders. It's an impossible question to answer directly. The, the basics are, at least in my neck of the woods here in New York, we try to play five to six days a week for the serious players after school, which equals the equivalent of 10 to 15 hours a week of training, and then tournaments on the weekend, two to three tournaments per month. That is the standard for a kid who wants to make a high sectional level here in New York and potentially qualify for nationals. So that is five to six days a week. I get this question a lot. Five to six days a week after school, two to three hours, which is the equivalent of 10 to 15 hours a week plus two to three tournaments a weekend will get you, if you're a pretty talented kid, that will get you close to being able to qualify for nationals if you've got some ability. If you don't have a lot of ability, I'm sorry, you're going to have to train more than that to try to catch up to the kids who are more talented than you are. And that's not a hopeless cause. I don't mean to, I don't mean to be snide. I'm quite serious. If you don't have as much talent, you've got to train more. So if a kid is dead set on making nationals, and they don't have the gift, they don't have a lot of ability, they have to train more than the other kids. That's just common sense. They have to put in more hours and they have to work harder. Does that make sense, Michael? Let me know if you have a follow-up. Hugo Ball Green is watching. That, thank you for tuning in, Hugo. I appreciate that. Sterling Strother's watching. What's up, Sterling? How you doing? Sterling! All right, this, this is crazy, guys. You've got you to listen to this. I'm getting an email. You guys have all got this email, right? Have you seen the new video? I'm not going to name names here, but I'm saying it's a new video preview of a new online program, and it's about clay court tennis. Uh, should, I, should I name? I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to. Oh, somebody named a name. All right, somebody named it. It's about clay court tennis, and the at the advertising video starts like this. It's basically excerpted from my book on Spanish tennis, okay? It's basically an excerpt from my ch the ch all the chapters in my book on Spanish tennis, and it goes something like this. Grinding, consistency, shot tolerance, suffering, whatever. It, it starts, the video starts like that, and then it says, do you, basically, it's, I'm paraphrasing, but it says, do you think these are important things to develop with your players, or do you think these are important on the practice court? And then it says, guess again. Dun, dun, dun. Guess again, guys. Well, I'm here to tell you that don't guess again, because those things that I just mentioned are super important especially for young players. Come on, people, wake up. I'm t I don't mean to get off on another rant here, but I may have to. Shot tolerance, consistency, control, grinding, stamina, patience, etc., etc. 
those things are hyper important to develop in young players. Super duper important to develop in young players. Come on, and they should be a big part of your practice court. Come on, people. Come on, everybody. Don't believe the hype, man. Don't believe the stats. Now, once you have that base of consistency, suffering, yes, suffering, come on. Little kids need to learn how to suffer, people. Don't believe the hype if somebody's telling you that you can develop a great practice court without any suffering. You're never going to develop a champion who doesn't know how to suffer. At least, it, it, even Federer, know, don't tell me Federer doesn't know how to suffer. Now, does he play the same suffering style as Rafa? No, but he knows how to suffer. You can't be a great champion without digging deep and learning how to withstand a lot of pain and suffering in a long match. Come on. Get out of here. You only learn that. You learn that on the practice court, man. It starts when the kids are little. You teach them discipline and suffering. Come on, people. Wake up. Wake up, everybody. You guys hearing what I'm saying? I'm talking about, you know who I'm talking about, people. Unbelievable. The bunch of shuck and jive. All right, there, I'm saying it. That latest video is a bunch of shuck and jive. Jive and shuck, shuck and jive. Unbelievable, incredible. And people follow that stuff like the little lemmings coaches that you are. All you lemmings out there, just follow the latest fancy video and stats. It's unbelievable. Wake up, man. Stop jumping off the cliff with all the other lemmings. All right. What was I? I lost, I lost my train of thought. I lost my focus. What I was saying was, once you have that base of suffering, once you have a base of consistency and control and patience, yes, patience, a, a valuable commodity to develop in a young player, a valuable asset. Once you have that in young kids, you build that on the practice court, then, then you can integrate first four training. You can integrate first strike training. You can integrate attack and a lots of serve and return patterns and all that great stuff. There's nothing wrong with that stuff. It's great stuff. But don't sell me programs that tell me that the other stuff, the foundation, is a waste of time and it's completely outdated or antiquated, or misguided, or just plain stupid. It's unbelievable that I'm hearing that. And it goes against all the greatest Spanish legends. I mean, what you're seeing in that latest video, it contradicts every Spanish legend that I've worked with. Jose Higueras, Luis Bruguera, Pato Alvarez, Francis Roig, all these guys. All the best Spanish coaches. I could go through a long list of, of even more, more Spanish coaches, you know, Joffrey Porta, and on and on it goes. Basically, what you're hearing there goes against what all of those legendary coaches from Spain believe. Basically, every coach in Spain believes the opposite, the opposite of what's being advertised in that video. And, and, you can choose to trust some stats or you can trust 30, 40 years of real in the trenches 
training and success from Spain. You choose. Go ahead and choose. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm going to say. All right, you can follow up if you want. I have a lot of comments on the board, so I'm going to try to get with them. You know what I'm saying? Hugo knows what I'm saying. Sterling knows what I'm saying. God, I can't, I can't take it. I can't take the... I can't take that... Just... Bunch of... Bunch of baloney. It's a bunch of baloney. All right. Gordon Paul says, One of my players was in tears because of what you just said. You mean tears of, hum of laughing or tears of sadness, Gordon? You know, what are you saying, man? Did I make someone cry or am I making someone laugh? <laughs> I hope it's laughter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right. We got a lot. Uh, let me see all these comments here. I'm running through them, you know. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Gordon says this is about the grip change. All right. Gordon says, thought it was bad that she was using the same grip. She will be glad to hear your comment. So is that a good thing? Like she's happy now because I said she could use the same grip? Like I didn't say she was a lazy, stupid player? God, you know, coaches say that. My coach used to say that to me. Let me tell you, I am so much happier now with the same new continental grip. I don't know what to call it. This, the, the new, the new next-gen Continental, the, the new Continental, that's what I'm calling it. I'm so, much ha I'm so much better now, man. My return of serve is 10 times better now that I don't have to make a shift. I never get caught slicing anymore. The guy can serve 110, 120 to me, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive that return because I got my grip already set. I'm just not good at shifting the grip. So I don't need people to like call me lazy or to say some bad things about me, make me feel all bad, because I don't do it the traditional way. Forget tradition. Screw tradition on that. Who cares about tradition? I know it doesn't look the way it's supposed to look, but, you know, that's just, that's just coaches not being able to step out of the box, step back, and look from farther away at, at something new and innovative that's, that works, but just doesn't look the way they expect it to work. It doesn't look like a typical textbook, right? Am I right, people, or what? Jim Kane has Jim Kane's naming names, Jim. You're naming the names. Spencer Weinberg is, what's up, Spencer? Got a lot of my regulars on the show tonight. You guys are back. What? I had to take a couple weeks break, and now everyone's getting back on the program. Brian Bleem says, Vamos. Let's go. Vamos. Come on. Who's with me tonight? Brian Bleem saying, I think he's got a doubles question. We have maybe our first doubles question in the history of the Sunday night Q&A. It's happening right now. Brian Bleem. Thank you, Brian. You are a trendsetter. You are an originator here. The first doubles question ever on the program, and it's coming to you right now from Brian Bleem. Australian formation for doubles. Do you think this would be good to teach high school boys? And the answer is, of course it is, man. Of course it is. And Australian, you, when you say Australian, do you mean I formation or you mean a, a uh, I'm thinking I formation. I really love teaching I formation to my players. I'm really big on that, like showing different looks. Let me know if, for me, I, I formation like Australian. Can you just clarify that, Brian? Because... 
I'm all for it, man. You should teach those high school kids all of the advanced doubles tactics. Absolutely. Teach them advanced doubles tactics and teach them communication and signals. Make sure your high school players are signaling. Very important. Teach communication. And definitely teach as many different formations as you can so that they can show a different look to their opposing team. Makes sense, right? Teach them advanced skills. Maybe they'll use them down the road. If they go to college, they'll have good knowledge. Let's see what else we got. Let me know if you have any follow-up, Brian. We'll get into some doubles. Doubles is not my area of expertise, but I'm a pretty good doubles player, guys. I like to talk doubles. We should really ask Mark Kovacs here, who's on the program. Mark Kovacs, thanks for waving, buddy. Mark was an unbelievable doubles player. People don't realize how good a tennis player Mark was because he never talks about it, but he's got a great tennis background as well as a PhD and all that scientific knowledge. Unbelievable combination, knockout combination. Unbelievable. Nobody ever talks about Mark's tennis record. He was an amazing player. All right, Sterling Strother says, mitigation is a good thing if the player can win more with different grip possibilities. It's certainly an interesting topic. Grips seem to be a sacred cow for some pros. Yeah, that's a great way to talk about it. Come on, man. Sacred cows. Exactly. Grips, man. You guys got to open... Because this has to do with the Western. It dovetails with the Western controversy. You know, where so many coaches freak out about the Western grip. Like, oh my God. Players got extreme semi-Western. Players got a Western. All the coaches are freaking out, pulling the fire alarm at the club. They're breaking out the video analysis. You know, give me a break, guys. You think they do that in Spain? The players got a Western grip in Spain. They just work with it. And they still get the player into the top 50. You know it. Players still going to make top 100 with the Western grip. They never change that. They're not going to change that in Spain. Come on, get out of here. Now, are there occasions where maybe, maybe it might be worth trying a little less grip, you know, for a certain player with a certain style? Maybe. But what I see, most of the time... Coaches who change that grip, they ruin the kid more than help. They ruin the player more than help. I have countless students coming to me with, with a history of a coach who messed with their grip because it was a little too extreme, quote, unquote, too extreme. And the kid, they ruin the kid because that's the way the kid was meant to hit the ball. Everyone holds the grip differently. It's a personal thing. It's like everyone shakes hands differently with different pressure and different you know angle and different a different hold and when you start messing with that and you're a coach because you know better because your textbook says it's, it's not supposed to be like that or your bias says that a lot of times you're going to really mess up a kid you could mess up a kid for life you could ruin their weapon especially if it's their weapon now if their forehand sucks if it's a really shitty forehand sorry i'm trying not to use the bad language because some kids tune into the show on a replay. I'm trying to use better language, guys. Sorry about that. If, if the forehand's really bad and it's full Western, probably it's a good candidate for a change. But if that forehand is really great and the kid loves it, you are probably making the wrong decision to change that grip. I'm just going to tell you that straight away. And I've seen too many cases of that in the trenches where coaches will change the Western or semi-Western. They'll make it look like, like a composite like Federer. And then they'll, they'll think of how great they are and pat themselves on the back and they'll show all the video analysis to prove it. And it doesn't matter because the kid wasn't meant to hold it that way and their foreign's going to suck. When it comes to crunch time, the foreign's going to suck and they're going to lose all the RPM and all the power 
and all the feel and that thing. It's just, it's never going to be the, like it was, you know, the, the way it was meant to be. That's my argument and I'm sticking with it. Sorry guys, it's a completely non-traditional argument. Let's see, picking up with Sterling, Sterling Strawler was saying, you know, the grips are a sacred cow. And then he says, most kids today seem to grab the racket semi-Western, not Western. Just have to teach players to handle low balls with Western. Right, exactly, exactly. Moving up to catch the ball earlier and suffering is not a bad thing. Yes, yeah, Sterling, I know, I know we're on board together with that, but check out the latest new promo video where suffering is a dirty word. You don't have to suffer anymore in the practice court. You don't have to grind. You don't have to work on consistency. That's a silly thing of the past. Just go, little lemmings. Go, you lemmings coaches. Go and follow the, the lead lemming and jump right off the cliff because it's a bunch of shuck and jive. Complete and utter shuck and jive. And if you want to believe that shuck and jive, I've got some more fake news for you. You can also listen to just fake news, shuck and jive, bunch of baloney, total garbage. Ignorance. Complete ignorance goes against everything that they've, they've proven in Spain in the last 30, 40 years. That's what that does. All right. John Denise is watching. Got some regulars tuning in. Guys, thanks for supporting the show. I appreciate your support. I know it's late on a Sunday night, so... You guys could be doing something else, except listen to me rant, but I got a lot on my mind this week. Been writing, been publishing, been coaching a lot. I had a player in from Missouri. You guys aren't going to believe this. Should I, should I get into this, guys? I had a player visiting from Missouri, okay? I'm not going to name names of where she's training. She's about 100 in the U.S. She's a pretty good player. Young girl, okay, I'm just going to say young kid. I'm not going to say what academy. She's training at a very well-known academy back home. And she's got an amazing backhand, okay, like, a, like the future Sharapova backhand, two-handed backhand, right? She's a wonderful kid. She comes to me a few times a year, and she trains with me in the summer. So I'm like her consultant, right? So she's here for three days, and... It's the same story from the old from the academy back in the Midwest. She has an unbelievable backhand. Like she sees it with her eyes incredibly well, two-handed backhand. She loves her backhand. And guess what her coaching team back home is telling her? Take a guess. She's got to run around the backhand and play forehand all the time because that's how all the pros do it, quote unquote. So Every time that she tries to hit a backhand to attack, like from the middle or something, her coaches make her do push-ups. Literally, they're punishing her for trying to hit her best shot when she plays. And this is every day in practice, they're reinforcing the same concept. Run around the backhand and hit the forehand like all the Spanish players do, like all the men on the tour do. Regardless of the fact that that th her favorite shot, if you ask her, is her backhand. It's a great shot, and she sees it unbelievably well. It's not like her forehand's bad. It's just that the backhand is amazing, and if, if the coaches would just wake up and get some common sense, sprinkle a little common sense on the Cheerios or on the cornflakes in the morning, they could make this kid so much better. She could be a so much better player if they just told her to rip the backhand and they would support patterns off her backhand, you know, to help her play with her best shot. 
So unbelievable story, guys. And I think this kind of stuff, this kind of bonehead stuff is happening all over the place. And, and I, it reminds me of some other bonehead stuff that I'm talking about tonight. Just a bunch of bonehead stuff, dumb, ignorant stuff. And I, I've just seen a lot of that lately. I guess this week has been the week for ignorance. Sterling Strawler says, take your breath, it's going to be okay. I'm going to have to use my sports psychology training to calm down. It's late, man. It's late at night. I am get fired up late at night, you know? Hugo Ball Green says, I got to relax. It's been a long day. All right, I'm going to relax, guys. I'm going to take a chillaxing. Look at Sammy. It's, you know what? Let's take a Sammy break. One moment, guys. I've got to take a Sammy break. Then we'll check in on the comments. Sammy, how are you? How are you, buddy? How you doing? You chilling? You chillaxing? Yeah, you want to say hi to everybody? All right, all right, guys. Maybe, maybe I should go to bed. Maybe I'm too stressed out. I'm not stressed. I'm in a good mood. I'm in great spirits. You know what I did this morning, guys? I ran a 5K with my son. Yeah, we ran a 5K in Manhattan in Riverside Park. It was awesome. And my son finished first place for his age division. It was the ages 10 through 14. And he's, in, he's 10 years old, right? And he finished first place in our 5K. It was, it was an awesome run. He was smooth. His technique was great. I was so proud of him. And it was terrible conditions. It was just terrible. It was rainy. It was 34 degrees. Brutal. And he ran like a champ. And I ran right with him. I got to stay with him. He's fast. I got to stay with him. So I'm super pumped about that. So basically everything else today is gravy. I'm actually not in a bad mood. I'm not in a bad mood except I got that stupid promo video in my inbox and it got me all crazy, you know. It's basically, it's excerpted from my book. It's taken from my book almost verbatim, you know. Unbelievable. Secrets of Spanish Tennis, available on Amazon. Go get it. It's a great book. Efficiency is the trend that becomes tradition. That's what Michael Furman said. Michael, that is so deep, is so profound. I, I have nothing to add to that. Efficiency is the trend that becomes tradition. Wisdom. Just this is what I'm talking about. Sunday night talk show with the smartest minds in the game right there. Michael Furman blowing it up with the wisdom. Bam! That's what just happened. He just dropped the knowledge on you. That's the sound of the knowledge dropping. Brian Bleem says, yes, I formation. Yeah, do the I formation. Teach all the formations, man. Teach it to your high school kids. Come on, advanced concepts for your high school players. Do it. Why not? What's the negative? Wait, Michael says grip efficiency. Michael, that changes the whole quote. What are you talking about here? Grip efficiency is the trend that becomes tradition. It's just, guys, just do the math. I, I'm not a scientist. If you turn the grip from semi-western the other way, it's faster than going the longer way. The shortest way is better. The shortest way to turn the grip is better. Come on. If people want to turn it the wrong way, I mean, you can do that if you're like a magician with your hands. But I'm saying most people are not magicians with their hands. They're, they're not like pianists with their hands. They're not like, they wouldn't be good flute players. You know, they wouldn't be good saxophone players or clarinet or whatever. You know, so those players benefit from having the same grip. You see it a lot at the recreational level. You see a lot of club players do that. So yeah, maybe some coaches would say, oh, club players doing that is lazy. You know, he's so lazy, doesn't change the grip. 
Maybe you could learn something from those club players because they're innovating. They're innovating. They're doing things. They're not inframed by the coaching establishment. They're not inframed by the way it's supposed to be in a textbook. They're thinking outside the box. They're trying things. They're innovating. They're trying new things that might be better. I have this theory. You, might, you guys are going to think this might be crazy, but I have this theory that club players who've never taken a lesson, though, that's where to look for technical innovations that you might even see on the Pro Tour someday. You might even see them at a very high level because they're doing stuff that's completely crazy and wackadoo. You know, it's, it's completely nuts what they're doing. They're trying all sorts of crazy stuff. But, you know, once in a while they hit on to something. It's just like random chance. It's a matter of, of probability that, that they will hit upon something good. So a lot of times you, you guys may think I'm nuts, but when I'm coaching or at a club, when I see some freaky stuff from the club players, a lot of times I take note of that and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. You know, that, that might be something that uh, I might suggest to one of my players or, or if I see that corroborated on the pro tour by somebody, I, it really makes me think. It makes me think that that might be an innovative trend. I might see the same, you know, correlation on tour. You might see a pro player who's trying that too. A pro player who's not afraid to think outside the box, who's not afraid to get in frame. Like the way Bjorn Borg did it. You know, all the coaches in the 60s and 70s told Bjorn that he was going to ruin his game with flicking his wrist and using uh, semi-western grip and getting more topspin. All of the coaches at that time told him he was completely nuts and he refused to listen. He was a genius and he refused to listen. He was an innovator. He was a creative thinker and he challenged the status quo and he wouldn't listen to all the Lemmings coaches, you know, the, the whole line of Lemmings jumping off the cliff. He wouldn't listen to those guys. And I just think you see the same thing here. Uh, a lot of times you can see technique that's bizarre, that's outlandish, that's very, very outside the box, and it's because the rec players never took a lesson. They never took a lesson from a coach who, know, who knew better. And so a lot of times you can see some cool stuff, you can get some cool ideas from rec players on technique. There's a little words of wisdom, you probably never heard that before from a high performance coach. Yeah, Chris Lewitt looking at, looking at rec players for technical innovation. But it's true, guys, because they, they never took a lesson. They, they've never been framed by the establishment. You know, they're not establishment players. Jim Kane says, trying to get through these comments, guys, sorry. Saw CO's ad where he mentions the tenets of the Spanish traditional system as mentioned in your book. Are <laughs> you jumping the gun? Assuming, come on, Jim, Jim, Jim's saying he doesn't know what's, Jim, watch the promo video and you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about, you know, because I'll tell you, you know what, Jim, I don't want to get into the, I don't want to get into name calling against certain people in the industry. I'll, I'll check with you offline and I'll tell you exactly because I know the person that you're talking about, I know exactly how that person feels about the Spanish game and it ain't positive. Let's just put it at that. And I'm a very positive person. I'm very bullish on the Spanish game, the Spanish style. Suffering, hard work, patience, and character, you got to have that. That ain't fake news. I agree with Sterling. Sterling says that's not fake news. No one gets anywhere with, with anything with suffering, hard work, patience, and character. Without that, without patience and character, et cetera. You got to build that. Yeah, one of the greatest things you can do is run with your kids or play tennis with your kids or do any kind of sport with your kids. But I'm having such a blast right now, training and running with my son. So I train with him, 
we run together on his team. He's got a cross country and track team and, I, and they let me work out with them. I get to do my own training with him. And we have a whole schedule of 5Ks that we do together. What a blast, guys. I'll share you the, the finish line video. I have the finish line, at least a picture. They do a, the, the racing organization takes a picture of us crossing the finish line. So I'll, I'll share that on Facebook later. It's so awesome. It's so, so great to run with your, your kids, do sports with your kids. It's just it's one of the greatest things in life, I think, to enjoy sports with your kids, at least for me. Right, Gordon Paul says they told Borg his arm would fall off. And I think you see the same stuff today. A lot of the stuff that I'm pr promoting and suggesting is the same old garbage from traditional coaches. You know, coaches saying, coaches saying, oh, that'll never work. You're going to get injured. That's the big one you always hear from the, the, the diehard coaches who will never change. You know, they're stuck in the past. They'll say, oh, you're going to get injured for sure. You know, just like Borg. Borg was going to ruin his game. They told the same thing to Luis Bruguera. Do you see the way Sergio Bruguera plays, the way he used to play? They told Luis Bruguera that he was going to destroy his son's game. All of the coaches, all of the Lemmings coaches, the inside-the-box thinkers, you know, the myopic coaches of the time in the 80s, they told Luis Bruguera that, they, that he was going to ruin his son for sure. So it's the same thing. You hear it every generation. You hear from coaches who just, they keep repeating history. They can't, they can't comprehend. They have a trouble extracting themselves from the establishment thinking, and they're, they're completely inframed. They're inframed, like the philosopher Heidegger said. They're inframed. They're inframed in this thought process, and they can't get out. They can't get out of this, this thinking, this mind mold, you know. And, and you see it generation after generation. Just coaches should wake up and try to learn from the mistakes that coaches have made in the past, especially when it comes to technique and technical evolution. Marcus Dayton is tuning in. Thanks for waving. Let's recap the show tonight. We've been talking about how cheating is tarnishing the sport, absolutely ruining the sport on many levels in terms of child welfare and also in terms of the popularity of the game. I've been talking about technical evolution and using the same side of the racket to hit the ball with the same grip structure. I call it the new continental, the next-gen continental. It's really a semi-Western, but I'm calling it the next-gen continental. I've been promoting that as a possible grip structure. I'm not saying it's the only way to hit. I'm not saying it, is, it, it should be exclusively taught. I'm saying it's a trend. It's a legitimate way to hold the racket and hit the ball. And I'm tired of Lemmings coaches telling me that that's crazy because I'm not crazy and I'm not stupid. And I'm not stupid either. I'm not stupid and I'm not stupid. You can't fix stupid, by the way. You can't fix it. And we've been talking about the myth of the myth of what? The myth, the myth of the myth of Spanish tennis. You know, uh, the myth of the of that the practice court, the Spanish way is wrong. We've been talking about that. You know, we're gonna get into that again. And the myth of the first four shots. I gotta I gotta protect and defend the, the Spanish legends. How there's countless Spanish legends. I mean I could, dozens and dozens of them who, who would disagree. Tony Nadal is another one. Tony Nadal says, yes, 
there are some statistics that show that the average rally length is four or five shots. Nevertheless, we have to train control. We have to train consistency. We have to train rhythm. Those are not dirty words, people. Those are not dirty words. Take it from Tony. If you can't take it from Tony, take it from Tony, Jose Higueras, Luis Bruguera, Pato Alvarez, Francis Roy, Geoffrey Porta, and on and on and on. All of the Spanish coaches believe that. You tell me all those coaches are nuts, and you tell me that your stats and your numbers can, can refute the, the wisdom of all of those legendary Spanish minds. Are you, are you serious, man? Come on, people. Get out of here with that. So we've been talking about that. I think it's enough. It's, it's, it's enough. It's driving me crazy. Uh, again, I'm going off like a firecracker tonight, but it's worth it. It's been a great show. Guys, if you have any extra comments, please let me know. I'm thinking about doing what Sammy's doing and doing a little night-night action because my brain is starting to hurt from all of this ranting. And I'd like to remind you guys that this broadcast will be replayed and archived on my YouTube channel. You know where it's at, youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. I'm blowing up like laser beam right now on YouTube. Go to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Come on, people. Help me out here. I'm blowing up like C-Day or laser beam. You know, we're blowing out the you. We're growing fast. And we have a strong community of intelligent tennis learners on the YouTube channel. So the show will be there, but maybe more importantly, the show will be on a podcast soon. We'll try to get the podcast up this week. I'm hoping to get some help from my manager, Michael, on that. We've got to get a couple more podcasts up. We're trying to get the whole archive onto the podcast platform so you guys can listen to all of these shows. We have 14 episodes now of this talk show, and we're going to try to get all of those episodes up onto the podcast platform very soon. I apologize for the delay. I know you guys are working out and driving and you want to hear my voice. God, what's wrong with you? Why would you want to hear that? But I guess some of you do because we got hundreds and hundreds of listens on the first podcast that we did. So we've got to get everything out there for you guys so you can listen when you're working out. I know I love to listen to podcasts when I'm working out. So if you have any last minute comments or questions, please let me know. If you missed the show and you, you have a, 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 an additional thought or a comment or a question that you'd like me to answer, please let me know. Man, I want to get more parents and families on the show. I feel like we have a strong following of coaches, but I would like to get more parents on the program, and I would like to get more questions about juniors and kids. So I've got to figure out a way to reach more families and let them know that there is a high-performance coach a very successful high-performance coach willing to answer questions online every Sunday night. we got to get the word out, people. It's like free advice. I mean, come on. You know, i got parents who pay me a lot uh, personally, like here in New York and around the country for my advice. I'm surprised we don't have more parents tuning in and asking questions. Tell your, tell your families, guys. Get them on the program because I think parents make for some of the most interesting conversation. You know, I think parents are some of the smartest people that I meet, and they have a lot of wisdom to share, to be honest. And I'd like to facilitate more discussion with parents as well as coaches. We've got a ton of coaches watching, but where are the parents at? What's up? 
Gordon Paul has a final comment. He says, when's the next workshop? Gordon, our next workshop is April 1st at the club in Vermont. The workshop is Building the Spanish Forehand. And it's a one-day workshop where we go over all of my exercises and my philosophy and training system for building the massive, heavy RPM Spanish forehand, as well as the ATP style, you know, getting the racket on the right side of the body and getting the flip and the acceleration, the elasticity. So I think it's going to be a really good workshop. It's a shotgun workshop, about seven or eight hours of training on court, one-day event, and all coaches and parents are welcome to come to that. Just let me know. Send me an email, chris at chrislewitt.com. And uh, if you have any questions about upcoming workshops, that's the big one. And the next one is, I think we have, I think we have two workshops coming up for coaches and parents in April. I see my buddy Robert Garrett's tuning in. What's up, Robert? How you doing? If you have a last-minute question, Robert, let me know. Robert, we were going to do the discussion on the two-handed backhand. Ooh, that's a good one. I don't know if we can do it tonight. Robert and I were having a really good talk on some of the technique with the two-handed backhand and the grip structure and stuff like that, but I don't know, Robert. We may have to save that for the next show. That would be an awesome topic on the next show, Robert. Uh, what we were talking about was how you have different grip structures on the two-handed backhand and you know how does that affect the development of a junior player? How does that affect contact point and game style and things like that. I have some, uh, we, we were having a very interesting talk about that earlier this week, but you know, why don't we save that for the next show? That'd be an awesome discussion. Then we can let everyone chime in on that. Guys, I'm going to wrap it up. It was, yeah. Okay. Robert's asking. I'll, I'll try. Let me see if I can answer that quickly because my head is starting to pound here. I got, I got a little upset. I, I lost my temper and now I'm, I'm, start, I'm starting to calm down again and get a little more tranquilo, you know, a little bit more tranquil and peaceful. Semi-Western versus Eastern two-handed backhand. Oh yeah, that was a debate. Yeah. So we just had, we had one of the, the basic questions was, should you set up an Eastern, an Eastern backhand? So with the, the left hand for a right-hander uh, on the you know, the big question is, should you teach a semi-Western two-hander or an Eastern two-handed backhand grip? And you know what? I'm going to set up this topic maybe for next week, and then we can really dig into it because I also want to bring in a lot of other resources and materials. Like there's some excellent articles on Tennis Player by John Yandel, by another friend of mine. What's the dude's name? Doug, Doug Eng. Doug Eng, PhD, has done some excellent research on two-handed backhand grip structures. And John Yandel has done some wonderful video analysis of two-handed backhand grip structures. It really, there are a lot of variations on the two-handed backhand grips, depending on male, male versus female, and also, also depending on where players grew up playing. If they grew up playing on clay, they tend to have more of a semi-Western grip on the two-handed backhand. If they grow up on fast slick courts, players tend to have more traditional grips like an Eastern. Uh, you definitely don't want a continental grip with that left hand, that non-dominant hand, like the way, you know, Roddick used to tee it up that way. Roddick had such a weak backhand because he had stiff arms and he had a almost a continental with that left hand. So the debate is whether you should do Eastern or semi-Western. And then 
how does that affect some other parts of junior development? So it's a really interesting debate. Let's, let me save that for the next show and we'll dive into it. So you have to stay tuned for that one. I want to thank everyone for joining the program. I want to thank all of the regular listeners, all the, the regular viewers. Catch me on the podcast. Catch me on Facebook every Sunday night, 9.45 p.m. Please check out all of the replays on our YouTube channel. Guys, go to YouTube and subscribe. Our YouTube channel is growing fast, and I really could, I really could use the support. I appreciate your support on the YouTube channel. Check out what we're doing with our online academy, clta.teachable.com. It's my new online academy. I'm coaching players, and I'm coaching coaches, and I'm coaching parents from around the world right now on our online platform. Very exciting. That's our new venture. It's taking time to ramp up because we don't have all the courses there yet. We've got some really good courses, but... We're, we're growing that, that site, and I'm very excited about the future of online education. So that's something that I'm very passionate about. Guys, have a wonderful night. If you missed some of the, the program, check out the replay. Leave me any comments that you have, and I will catch the comments later. I will check all the comments and try to contribute to the comment posts uh, later on. So uh, add your comments. Give me the thumbs up if you like it. Tell your friends about the show, especially tell parents and families. Why aren't more families on this show? This is great. Is it too late on Sunday night? Where are the parents at? Parents should be on this show. They should be picking my brain. Guys, have a good night. God bless. Have a great week of training, great week of coaching if you're out there. I'll see you next Sunday night. Thanks for listening to the show. You can find archives of all Chris's shows at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt or search Chris Lewitt on YouTube. You can watch the live video broadcast of this program weekly on Sunday nights, where you can ask questions and comment in real time on Facebook Live. Just search Chris Lewitt on Facebook to join the live show. Please share our programs with friends and join our online community. You can join Chris Lewitt's Online Tennis Academy at clta.teachable.com or visit chrislewitt.com for more info. Chris's latest published articles and additional video resources can be found at prodigymaker.com. Thanks again, and see you next time.